Welcome to Disruptors in the Culture. I am one of your co-hosts, Amira Smith. I'm here with my very amazing co-host, Joshua Meekins. And Josh, do you want to do the pleasure of interrupting our awesome guest today? Yeah, our, our, our guest today is a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, a fantastic individual who um, leads by example and you know makes a big change in his community. Um, I've known him. For, I've known you for what a year now, maybe. It's been more than a year, Has Josh. Dude, it started like 2017, so we're going on two, probably about close to three. Oh yeah. my God. All right, yeah. three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, this man, uh, he probably also needs no introduction. His name is Daryl Edmonds. Um, he is the executive director of Friday is Tie Day down in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And um, I want him to talk about a little bit about his program and uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on. Uh, actually, tell us about you first. All right, about, about me. Edmonds. You can about tell me. yourself better than I can. Okay, so um, I live and breathe to change the world. Right. Okay, so that's a that's, strong statement. I like that. Yeah, I like to make it real strong because I want people to know who they're introducing, like okay. who they're meeting from the jump. So okay. I always use that even in interviews. Like when I'm like was interviewing for jobs, I want them to know how crazy I am. Yeah. So if you want that kind of energy, then that's what I'm bringing to the table. Okay. I, I live and breathe to change the, the world, the right? Sure. Yeah. So I and um I'm driven by purpose and passion. Um, I think every life has a purpose, and to help find that purpose, you're giving things you're passionate about. And when I say passion, I mean in its true sense, like you're willing to suffer for. Absolutely. So um, things that I do, and this work we talk about with Friday is Tide, um, I don't see it as suffering, but I'm willing to. You yeah. know, so we make sacrifices to make it happen. So all that to say, like, you know, I'm a man that loves his family and loves to work and serve in his community. Um, I got all the degrees and everything, and that's not important at this point. Give us, well, your background. Yeah, Give us some of that. All right. Well, I, mean, so, I, mean, I think we would like to know your degrees. That you all right. Have. So I have an undergraduate degree from the University of Delaware. Okay. And a graduate degree. Um, I have a master's of science in nonprofit management. Love it. Very so important. it was intentional with that degree to be this person, you know, to do the, the work that I'm doing now. So um, I'm a father. I love to talk about that. Hey, I have father, three three uh, beautiful girls, a, a lovely wife, right? So that, that drives a lot of what I do. Shout out my, to the wife on the podcast. Shout out to my wife, J9, Janine. She probably listen at some point. I love, <laughs> I love you, baby. Make sure you give this Right, she's going to be listening. But um, three daughters, 16, 10, and soon to be four, yeah. right? So um, that's, that's like first, right? That's, that's home. Yeah, that's home base. But then everything else is kind of like comes from from my excess. They get all my essence, right? They get all of who I am. And um, if I'm fortunate enough to to fuel myself up and I have some excess, that's what I give to my community. And that's where Friday is Tidy was born out of. Got it. Right, so Friday is Tidy was born out of a need that I saw um, working in communities in Southern New Jersey. Um, so we're not in like any urban center. You know, much of our communities are suburban. Um, schools are actually, you know, pretty good, yeah. right? Um, they have their issues, but, you know, they're decent schools. There's, like, you know, respectable graduation rates, you know, all, all those things that we look for as indicators. But um, I often saw um, lack when it came to working with young men of color. Okay. And it was on, like, both sides of the coin, right? So the school had their responsibility yeah. in lowering their expectations. Yeah. Whether they knew it or not, there was, like, this uh, unconscious, like, lowering of the bar. And, you know, I say all the time, and my friend um, Uriah says all the time, like, everybody lives up to low expectations. Gotcha. Right? That's easy. Yeah. Right? What, you real don't quick, was there, was there a difference in the community that you're growing up in now and how, I guess, maybe you were raised to what you see going on? Was that like a catalyst? Yeah, so that, that was a huge part of why I started it, right? I realized in my upbringing, number one, I had an amazing father, okay. right? He was, like, stalwart in our community, and he was, like, a rock in our family, right? So I had that, like, huge foundation. 
but I also had, um, I was surrounded in a community in the neighborhood. Like, we live in the neighborhood. There's like, there's seven houses, six of them are blood relatives. Nice. Right? Yeah. So I had uncles, grandparents, relatives that, like, they were examples, right? There was, they, I had, I didn't have far to look to find examples of what it meant to be a man. Okay. They were all around me and they were active in my life. Right. So I had my father who, you know, both my parents had graduate degrees and they worked in the community. My dad serves on many boards in the community for the health system, for the community college. Very well known. He served 20 years as the um, school board president in our community. My mother served many years as the PTA president. So like we had that. I had an uncle who was also a deacon in the church who served as a councilman in our community. who lived across the street. Um, my grandfather, who was just like one of them old school, like jack of all trades. Like if it needed to be done, he could do it. Electricianship, carpentry, plumbing, uh, cooking, like you name it, you know, honey. He, he could do it all because that's what, how we had to live to survive in, in this upbringing. Um, my neighbors were men like, you know, Mr. Goodrum, um, who was a, um, a power lifter. Right. So he served on the school board alongside of my dad, but was like this just burly, strong dude who would have these trophies from, you know, lifting like insane amounts of weight. And for little kids, we would see these trophies of these huge power lifters with like things like 800 and 1,000 pounds on them. So like these dudes weren't to be fooled with. Yeah. Right. Like we... And we were, we were given a chance to be kids because we didn't have to be men because we, we knew who a man was, right? It wasn't so we stayed in our place because we knew what our place was, and they, give us, they gave us a place to grow and explore um, with love and with support. So I had that, right? So I would see a lot of the friends, my friends that I grew up with, um, were, were probably either more talented or just as gifted as me af- athletically. Yeah. Um, I knew they were just as smart or different things, but like I was the one that got the opportunities, yeah. Right. I was the one that like of my graduating and I think about my community, we had a K through eight school and then we went to a high school that was regional. Right. So my community, my K through eight school, we might have had, like 50 people in our graduating eighth grade class. And I can't really think of too many that went to college. Like I really and I really can't think of too many that finished. OK. Right. I can't name them. Now, if I probably go and, you know, scour the webs, look at Facebook, yeah. I can see, oh, okay, he got his degree later on, this, that, and the other. But, like, like it, it just wasn't a common thing. But I know dudes in my community who were way more athletic than me, way more talented, but, like, things just kind of caught them up, like life caught them up. You know what I mean? So, they got so drawn to the streets or other things real early. So for a little reference, where exactly did you grow up? All right, so I grew up in southern New Jersey. It's a real small town called Egg Harbor City. Oh, okay. you know, Egg Harbor Township. Is this, is it Egg Harbor Township is, is like next door, right? Okay. So I got young in my program from Egg Harbor Township. Okay. But Egg Harbor City is actually smaller, actually much smaller, um, and truthfully in a lower social economic bracket. Okay. Right. So, um, so when we're looking at the way you were brought up, um, surrounded by a lot of family, and um, were you more of an outlier as opposed to the neighborhood that you were in? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so most so most guys didn't have fathers at home from where you come from. Yeah, to have I, w- those I would say examples. that. Yeah, 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 and definitely not. I mean, definitely not in the way that I had it. I see. Like, yeah, um, most most didn't, and most didn't have like that that village, you know, that we always can talk about that it takes to raise a child. Yes, it does. Like I absolutely had it. Wow. I absolutely had it. Wow. In in every way, so like, my father was there, super dope figure. But my father never took me to football practice because he was busy working, serving, and doing things in the community. So Mr. Goodrum got us there, you oh, know. Wow. Um, 
we were all musicians. We had a little family like music group that they like gospel and R and B. You know, my uncle Bill was like the head of that stuff. He was like our Joe Jackson, not in any negative way, right? But he <laughs> yeah. was he did the music stuff. You know, yeah. my Aunt Linda made sure we got to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. Yeah, because my mom and dad were always there serving at the early service and the eleven service, right? So she would make sure we got to Sunday school. So it was truly a village. Like my parents did a lot, but. They we all worked together to make sure the kids got to every little you know activity yeah. and thing. So it was like truly generational. Yeah, not living, but did like did you guys live in the same home? No, but just here? I mean but we called it the, the compound, same, same community, like the same block. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, it's not even so like a real block because it was like a country street. Yeah, right? but, but it was still like you guys had there. roots yeah. and it was family yep. surrounded. So surrounded. there was yep. someone to like watch the kids. Always, wow, always. So what happened after you fade? I know, I personally, I know your college story, but like what mm-hmm. happened after you graduated high school and like kind of left that community? Yeah. You, know that. You, you, talk, you talk about that transition a lot. Yeah, so that was that was crazy, right? So I had tons of support, right? So then I'm thrust. I got a um, full scholarship to go to the University of Delaware to play football. So I went there. I'm thrown on this campus. Um, you know, I had to kind of figure life out for myself, mm. right? So I had, like, I had tons of rules as a kid, tons of rules and tons of eyes watching if I was breaking rules, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're thrown on a campus. Um, and then you're thrown on a campus at a PWI. So I have to under, I have to explain why that's unique for me because everyone in my family is predominantly white institution, yeah. Because yeah. everyone in my family went to HBCU, which is a historically black college university, right? Yeah. So the experience they had was different for me. Um, I'm a first-generation PWI, right? <laughs> Everybody else went to P- um, HBCU. So that was also like, my frame of reference for college yeah right um the homecoming experience the bands the thing but also just the understanding is like there's male dorms and female dorms and there's vegetation and there's all that stuff but then when you're thrown on a campus at a pwi where you're on a co-ed floor mm-hmm. like and i remember like when we had that realization and my dad and mama walked me into my dorm my dad's like hey, like girl on his, on his floor, right? He's look, and like he didn't say nothing to me, but I think he he knew like what the challenges were going to be, right? But co-ed dorm floors. Yes, or? I had female neighbors on both sides, okay. yeah. so it wasn't like because I went to a PWI for a semester, yeah. and um, <laughs> we had a co-ed dorm, but it's just you know the floors, sides of floors. I barely yeah. So like one side was male, one side. <laughs> see, yeah. So there was like a male bathroom on that side, but that whole side of the floor was mixed. You know, wow. so it'd be yeah. like a room with two girls, a room with two guys, a room with two girls, like on the same side. So it was just a totally different experience for me, right? Coming from a very close knit, very strict um, home to where you're thrown on this college campus with you know thousands of kids from all over the country um, who are raised different than you, mm-hmm. right? So that was the first time I really saw any drug use. Yeah. Right, like that just didn't go on in my family. My family rarely even drank. You know what I mean? Wow. So that was the first time I saw any type of abuse or things like that, um, and just the exposure. So that was a huge adjustment for me. Right. Um, thankfully, though, I had that strong foundation there. I knew where kind of like pull myself back into those places where I was safe, yeah. and those those things that kind of covered me and protected me. So, you know, I pulled on my faith. I pulled on, you know, just some some things that I knew I needed to, some places I needed to be to, to be grounded. Yeah. So so with that, so you then noticed that you have this village for you mm-hmm. that kind of helped yeah. you kind of develop into the man that you are now. Then you take that and you're now present day, you're realizing, okay, that village doesn't exist anymore, right? And I'm assuming Pop's idea of what, Friday is Tide? Yeah, so the first stage of Friday is Tide was like really organic. Okay. You know, um, I was working with a young man. Well, why, 
Well, I think we're jumping the gun. Like, when mm-hmm. did you feel it was needed? Like, what was okay. your exposure to the problem that you said, wait, there's a problem, and I okay. feel like I need to create something to solve it? So I was actually working in a high school. I was a director of a, a teen site, like a teen center. So we did social okay. services and mental health counseling in a building on the high school campus. Okay. So um, we were doing amazing work. Right? I had a great team, great people around me. We were doing amazing work. But... Um, I think my biggest concern when it came to building Friday is Tidy, I would see a lot of kids graduate, especially young men of color. And, like, they were good kids in high school, right? I would have no problem having over my house, around my children. Um, but they would graduate with really no focus. Yeah. No real goals. So it's kind of like we, we finished that. Maybe they went away to college for a semester yeah. and got, you know, had that shock and kind of came home or ran into financial issues. So they're just kind of hanging around. Yeah. And, you know, for the first part of it, it's not too bad. They find a little job, get a little something, then that job disappears, and it's the other job. But then you start seeing, like, you're reading the paper, you're like, oh, man, so-and-so got caught up. You know what I mean? So-and-so yeah. got arrested, so-and-so wow. like this. And I'll never forget one student in particular, man. I met with him um, maybe a couple weeks before high school graduation. He came, he sat across from me at my desk. And you could see that nervous look on the face, like, I'm going to graduate. I don't know what's next. So I literally walked through the woods, because the community college wasn't far from where we are. I walked through the woods to take him to the community college, right, to try to get him started on the process. But it was like a few weeks left, so he kind of had to finish everything on his own. I mean, nice kid. Um, Charming, handsome, really good athlete, about six foot two, you know, like, good kid. And this was maybe, maybe four years ago, um, I came across his mugshot. Wow. Murder charge. Wow. And I'm looking at this kid. And it's just your man now. And I'm like, this was not him. Yeah. And I'm like, how did we as a community fail him? Like, that's what I saw. I didn't know where he go wrong. Because cause it wasn't that. Yeah. It was like, how did, where, what did we miss as a community? Where a kid that was a good kid ends up in this place. Yeah. Um, so that was the thing that really made me. Because um, when Friday's Tidy started, it was really organic. It was like, you know, um, kids wanted to wear ties. I showed them how to do it. And I wanted to be able to continue to tie it so it's like just start wearing them on Fridays we'll do something different we'll swag out you know the rest of the school year and it kind of caught on and um while that was happening you know I said well let me buy some real estate so I bought the dot com the dot org I got all the social media just because I might do something with it later yeah. that was 2010 um wasn't until 2013 I actually formed a 501 you know a nonprofit organization to um to actually do the work of mentoring yeah so I started with seven young men um I just put out feelers. I don't even know how I did it. I don't, I don't, it wasn't flyers. I think I made it put a couple things on social media. Um, and it was uh, seven young men that I called them the first seven. And they started with me just like, look, we're going to do some mentoring stuff, some character development, and we're going to visit some colleges. And that's how we started. So how did how did the name come about? Because I remember you told a story about how you guys wore ties on Friday. With yeah. So initially, like I said, it started with that, you know, the guys are wearing just to swag out different 2010, and that's where the name Friday is Tide came from. Mm-hmm. And um, it just stuck because it was catchy. Yeah. They would make a theme out of yeah, it. Yeah, so we do way more than just wear. Like, to be honest, very few of the guys we have in the program now wear ties every Friday. Like yeah. it's, But they do. Like, it's funny when they do, they just, like, you know, got the ties on, they post their pictures on social media. It's dope. But that's, like, so f- that's just, like, a thing now. You know what I mean? It's like a flag. It's like a tag. But beyond that, um, we have a focus now on post-secondary success. So what happens in your life after high school? So we set goals around that. It's going to be college. It's going to be trade. It's going to be military. And we're going to work towards it in the best way possible. We're going to put you in a position to be successful. So we're going to give you the things you need, like SAT prep, you know, college exposure, campus tours, 
um, skill building, you know, um, help you even to develop entrepreneurial skills so yeah. you can yeah. create streams of income for yourself to be successful whether you do that or not. Yeah. Um, that's that's where we are now. And it's turned into, like, oh, man, it's turned into something just really dope, bigger than I ever expected. Yeah. You How know? do you, like, so even speaking about the post-secondary opportunities, so, so we know that for many it's like, okay, we want to direct them to college, right? We want yeah. That's the idea, post-secondary idea mm-hmm. to go to. I mean, you have had students who are like, hey, I want to start my own business. Like, do you connect them with resources? How exactly does that work? How do you paint that picture for them? Yeah, so um, the entrepreneurial attitude has always been there from the beginning of Friday's Tide. So our first fundraisers were, um, I took a um, 1930s Hartman wardrobe trunk, mm-hmm. and I refurbished it, repainted, put some stickers on it, some different things, and uh, created ways so that we can sell bow ties and neckties, uh, pocket squares, uh, cufflinks. We created a mobile haberdashery. So yeah. the guys were learning how to operate and run that from the jump. Okay. So we'd be invited to events or just set up in restaurants, nice. and they would do that. So they would run the the um, the, point of the sale square, point-of-sale system, point of system yeah. and all that stuff. They would do the pitching and the selling and the upselling. We would teach them that. If they buy a tie, we got a pocket square to match. Don't let them leave without the pocket square, right? Don't let them leave without the cufflinks, you know, the whole yeah. the whole thing. So awesome. they were taught those skills, and that was our biggest fundraiser early on. Like, that's what we did. Um, and it was just, it was real natural. It was real, like, it wasn't like it was an extra thing. It was, like, part of who we are, yeah. right? So we've always had the idea of building um, – what a common phrase for it now is like social enterprise around our work so that we can generate revenue to sustain the work that we do. And uh, we've had a couple different, you know, things. The haberdashery, something that's always been there. We need to kind of like 2.0 it, you know, re-up it right now. Um, We did some um, online e-commerce for a while. So, you know, we would go through things like um, picking out the ties we wanted to sell, you know, them the, the guys picking the names, you know, um, how we're going to market them, take the pictures, how we're going to put them out there. So um, they learn those skills initially to where we're becoming a little more sophisticated in looking at using technology mm-hmm. and yeah. mobile applications to uh, to reach more people and to have some, so teach them that those skills within tech, um, like coding, you know, um, design, uh, new media, you know, using s- social uh, platforms and everything else. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you, you tapped into something a second ago. You said... um. In the beginning, a lot of the entrepreneurial things, you were like, that was there. Mm-hmm. And with you said, that was just who we are. Like, that's who we are. Um, so there's a term that, um, well, not even a term. I mean, there's the word culture. But I, I have a marketing background. So mm-hmm. there's, like, the marketing guru, Seth Godin. And mm-hmm. he talks about culture is basically, and you boil it down, is people like us do things like this, right? Mm-hmm. And then it seems as if you have, you come from a very strong culture, but it's interesting because it's not like your family, you guys were outliers in your community and the way that you guys really did think um, or live by, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to, I guess, boil down like the ethos or the culture of um, your program, and mm. how what the students would say about it. It's like if you say like people like us do things like this. Like I like what, like I would boil it down like to Nike, right? Yeah. I used to look at Nike as and you know just do it, meaning as like a command. And yeah. then once I started thinking of like oh people like us do things like this, it's like mm-hmm. oh no, just do it. It's like people like us, we just do it. We, do we don't make yeah. excuses. Mm-hmm. We don't hesitate. We don't complain. We grind and we just do it. So what would kind of be the ethos for Friday is Tie Day and what you want the students, the boys, to walk away with where they'll be like, oh, you know, outside even outside of the tagline, just like mm-hmm. guys like us, we 
kind of like a way to live by a code. You know what I mean? Wow. So I would think, all right, like the cliche one is black excellence. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um, I don't know my mom's going to hear this, but like I think like the every, every day one would be like, we do dope shit. You know, like I think that's like, that would be like kind of like colloquial. But um, we we don't settle. Right. We continue to push. Right. And um, I think resilience, perseverance would be things, you know, like, you know, I have guys in a group who 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 didn't have like that. That charted path like they may have started in college, messed up, they're back home trying to figure out how to do community college now to get back to college. They're working nice. like but we they don't quit. That there it is. They don't quit. Right. So I would say the resilience and I, like. You know, we're going to have a lot of guys that graduate in four years and do that. We're going to have guys that graduate much longer, right? But they're persistent. Yep. And they're still and, – and if one thing doesn't work, like Edmonds, I'm looking at this trade opportunity. L- let me see, like, you know, what kind of trade schools? What did this? I'm like, so I'm answering, you know, 22 years old, 21 years old. We're, we're still at it Good. because that's always been the focus, right, mm. to have that end goal in sight. And it never changed. Nice. Right? So how we get there may change. But we're still invested in the end result. And so this isn't a program that young men can age out of, essentially. I don't think that ever happens with mentoring, right? Because that's what we are, essentially, a mentoring program. So when we mentor, we mentor for life. I've been in weddings. And um, last year, unfortunately, did my first eulogy, you know, for one of my first kids I mentored. So it's for life. Yeah. Wow. I got a bunch of sons and nephews. I, I got right. three daughters in my house, but I got a bunch I was of sons. See, and how's nephews. that balance? I know you. I know you have three daughters. So how how is it like dealing with these young men and going home and then dealing with these young women? You know, it's, gotta be <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> it's totally different. Um, I don't know. You just find it. Yeah. yeah. You remember what's first, right? Yeah. You remember what's first. I have an amazing wife, right? Mm-hmm. So not only does she, is she like crazy committed to me as her husband but she's crazy committed to our family as a mother right so she's like like a a mother lion right she's she will she will kill you right if you mess with her family however she's also a high school guidance counselor Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so she very much understands the work that i do with these young men Mm -hmm. so she's very much a part of that as well she's a true partner in everything i do so I know for a fact I couldn't do what I do with another mate. Like, it's just not possible. Gotcha. It's not possible. That's awesome. Gotcha. Well, talk a little bit about the programming. Like, what do you, what do you guys kind of institute? Like, how do, you, how do you get these men from, okay, you're in high school. Let's mm-hmm. start thinking about that post-secondary. Like, gotcha. What do you, do you do any, like, what, what happens? What takes okay. place? So we do monthly meetings, right? Monthly meetings typically happen on the first Sunday of the month. Okay. And we meet at 4 p.m. at a local restaurant. I'm going to give them a shout-out and a plug because they've been there since day one, Cousin Mario's in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Great pizza, great wings, great Italian food, <laughs> right? But they've been there for us since day one. So we meet from 4 to 5 p.m., yeah. whatever our topic, our discussion is, our guest speaker. Like, it'll be life skills, just development. It might be just a current event we need to talk through, right? Yeah. Um, that's from 4 to 5. Then from 5 to 6, we have pizza and wings, and I check in. How are you doing? You know, where are you with this? How's everything going? And we just fellowship, right? So that format, like, we can't shake it. Like, it's so much ingrained to, like, it's not a lot of pressure for a new kid or for a kid that's trying to come in. They love the pizza and wings. You know what I mean? We never never order enough. We can never order too much, right? It's just how it is with teenagers. So that's kind of, like, our ongoing every month that happens, right? And then you'll have, like, 
opportunities to engage and activate. So uh, MLK Day, we did a service project, you know, um, where we worked with a Turning Point um, Day Center for Homeless, and we um, put together over 100 blessing bags. And then we also did some work in the center to help set up their computer lab, um, help sort some of the donated clothes and things like that. Then there'll be other opportunities to do um, a bunch of different things, right? Yeah. It, it, so um, we actually had an we actually had um, an opportunity to go to a Flyers game this year. We got tickets donated um, by Groove's Crew, yeah. and um, we had um, box you know box seats and everything. So we had the buffet, the whole nine. So that oh, was an nice. opportunity really that nice. was given to the guys that had the top ten GPAs, right? Nice. So it was a reward for the guys with the top ten GPA. Um, we set goals, you know, each year for GPA. So last year, the goal for our 40 guys in the program that are, like, really committed and always there um, was to have a group average GPA of a 3.0. Okay. Yeah. All right, so they hit a 3.17 last year. So as a result, I had to do, like, a death nut challenge, which is, like, which was torture. It's, like, six progressively hot nuts that you have to eat up uh. to, like, 19 million Skullvilles. Nah, it was he, crazy. It was first of all, he yeah. Facebook-lived yeah, this. Yeah, I Facebook-lived it, too. <laughs> like, of myself, like, dying, like, live on He's Facebook. Crying. He was like, listen. Yeah. Like, his oh, yeah, everything. So it, was, it was everything. It was bad. Crazy. But they he earned it, right? for, like, a couple days. For a couple. So this year, um, we... Raise the GPA to a three two five. Okay. Right. So and that's collective of all the collective 40. Of all forty, okay. right? So we're really close right now. We're really close. I What's think. What's the I have, challenge this time? The challenge this time is a paintball firing squad. Against you? Basically. Wait, wait, so. I stand on a so, wall. So what's going on? Are we are we are we really like we creating like you know say this? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, like they want to torture pain. me. They like to see me <laughs> in pain. So see the secret to this is though like they're gonna be pretty far away, right? Yeah. They ain't gonna be like 15. How far? Feet. I don't know far as I can get them. <laughs> right? keep, keep going. So, keep going. Like, I'm, I'm gonna see a line of like 35 guys with paintball guns. I'm like, yeah, I need to back there? up somewhere. Yeah, I'm standing there. You gonna have protection on? I'm gonna have protection, but not like crazy protection. I ain't no sucker. You know what I mean? Wow. But I protect the things that need to be protected. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up. I'll, be, I'll record it. And we and we and we g up. You know what I mean? That's just the way we do. But um. <laughs> Yeah, so that 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 was the challenge. That's what they wanted, and they're like really, really close right now. <laughs> Are you nervous? Yeah, because honestly, <laughs> the last time I was in, like, actually, we'll probably, I'll, actually, I'm going to release what the GPA is this coming Friday, yeah. right? So the last time I was in with the submitted grades, they were like like a three, two, four, and change. They were like right there. Like, so we got three more in report cards that came in a little later that were all really good. So I feel like. Sheesh. You they not they be might go on over. <laughs> oh, I am. Yo, so last time, right? The goal was the goal was a three zero. They had a two nine four. So I was like, ain't doing it. Yeah, ain't doing it. The goal was a three zero. So then they got that three one seven. So it was wow. over. So I had to do it. But um, yeah, I'm hoping they end up they stay around that three two four so we can like push it back to the next report cards. You know, it's bad to do it in the winter with the paintballs when it's cold, it's cold. too. Paintball you know what I mean? Yeah, when it's cold. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to do it in the spring when it's at least a little warmer. But you know, if they earn it, they earn it, and that's what we do. And so we do stuff like that, right? We make it fun. It's not just like where are your report cards? Why aren't you succeeding? Yeah, right? Like yeah. it's fun. Because like, there's so many reasons why students are succeeding yeah right? yeah it's, it's a lot and it was it was so funny because that meeting where i did do live like they were kids taking the bus mm. to see me torture myself wow. to, to me like they didn't have rides they took public transportation and walked the rest of the way to get to the meeting so i'm like so not only were do we have a group of 40 young black men who were excited about turning in their grades right but excited about getting to the meeting whether it's because i had to make a fool of myself or not i really don't care yeah but what we're doing is we're shifting the mentality around like listen excellence is the expectation 
And we're going to push towards it no matter what. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, the type of things we do. And then the big thing that we do, we have two really big um, activation events, too. Um, one is for the community and one is for the guys, right? So the one for the community, we, um, this year it'll be on March 3rd. We do an annual tie ceremony and college decision day. Yeah. So we do custom ties with our logo. So all the guys nice. that are participating in the program, they show up in their white shirts and they get their ties. We do a ceremony. We have men from the community show up and they come down and it's like a sign of submitting to men. My mentorship where they help them tie their ties, right? Mm. And then all our seniors announce their decision for after high school, whether it's college, trade, or military. Last year we had all three, yeah. right? And they get to make speeches. They get to be recognized because most of the time those type of things are – exclusive to superstar athletes, right? And they get to take their hat out. I'll be going to university, uh, play lots of football, right? Yeah. And what we do it with all of our young men. Good. Everybody gets that honor for, you know, their family and their parents to celebrate, yeah. for them to thank their mom and whoever else they want to thank, you know, on the microphone. So that's like a real big community activation. It's a wonderful event. And then the big piece that the kids love the most is we do an overnight trip each summer. So um, we travel um, upstate New York, D.C. area, North Carolina, Virginia. We do three, four days where we do college visits. We do some service projects. We do some educational. We learn. And um, we spend time doing leadership development, you know, each night. So this year we're headed down to Atlanta, GA, where we'll visit Morehouse, Georgia Tech, Emory, and um, Clark, Atlanta. So we're excited about this summer. It's the furthest we've gone. Nice. But... Um, you take a bus, right? Oh, we're taking the yeah, we're taking a nice, you know, charter coach bus, Ooh. and uh, we're probably <laughs> we'll probably lay over in North Carolina. Okay, uh, we have some really cool friends in the uh, Raleigh Durham area, nice. and then we'll still probably lay over there, probably grab something to eat and fellowship with another mentoring program, and then finish the rest of the trip the next morning. That sounds good. So, so that that's that's the program, like in a nutshell. Yeah. But it's also you know one to one opportunities where I'll have guys over the house. We'll be doing you know applications. We do scholarship boot camps with the seniors. You know sometimes it's just for dinner because they need yeah. to talk about something. Yeah. So there's lots of those type of interaction with either one or a few of them. Yeah. To where we just keep keep the mentoring going. Is that something I think um. A lot of people who have the support at home take for granted at times of yeah. the simple process of applying for college mm-hmm. or knowing what your options are going through. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard. Like I'm like my son's he'll be 20 in July. Mm-hmm. So it it made my head spin doing it again with them where it's, I was just like, sheesh, I remember this. And I remember not having the guidance where I just had my limited options and I mm-hmm. went with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But um. Wow, so this is really, really important work of making young people or having them think about what's next. Because, you know, the truth is, I think with young people, we it's almost like a switch. People expect that 18, you're supposed to know certain things, be grown enough because you're so-called graduated or like, oh, why don't you know this? What aren't they teach you in school? Mm -hmm. And it's like the truth is uh, there's a lot. There's a huge gap of things that are taught in school where you literally are making them make huge decisions. Mm When before, they're always told that you're not adult enough to do X, Y, Z. Exactly. And now they're making some of the biggest decisions And in now life. sign this loan for $50,000 a year to go to college. Exactly. Right? At this big such and such university. Yep. Like, pick a, pick a deci- make a decision on where you're going to live independently. Yeah. And what, your, what, what career is going to drive the rest of your life yeah. at 18. Yep. Right. So, which, which is insane. And, like, even, like, you know, the student loan crisis that we have, um, I couldn't take an 18-year-old to get a $50,000 loan 
to start a business at all. But we could easily do it to go to college to create yes. like that, right? Not to create like an independent stream for themselves, right? Yeah. So just that thought process alone is like crazy. Yeah. Crazy, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's part of the trap. So I run into a lot of guys, a lot of kids that are like, you know, college is a scam. I'm like, if you don't do it right, it is, yeah. right? If if you're gonna do it that route, it certainly is. Yeah. But we can do it smart. So let's work together to make sure it gets done the right way. Um, and the other thing about I would say with our group is we have a nice mixed group, right? So we have kids that don't have the type of support they don't they would they would like to, and we have those that have everybody in the home. But the parents is like, yo, it's just great to have another voice in the air because they are tired of listening to us, right? Yeah. So when they hear it from Mr. Edmonds, it's like, oh, okay, I guess it is really right. Do you have you know? a lot of creative kids in your program who they may or may not think college you know oh yeah i got a bunch of rappers and beat makers too you know we got all of that right yeah so it's funny because even with that right i like just just fortunate in my life that i was able to mentor like a couple guys when they were young they weren't part of friday is tidy because this is before friday is tidy but they're like both grammy winning and grammy nominated artists at this point Mm -hmm. so they they look right at them and like you know (laughs) oh what? Who am I talking about? Yeah, who we talking about? You want to name names? Yeah, I can name. I can drop names. It's the, it's the homie. Um, DJ Camper, right? Okay. So um, he's worked with, like, a full list of people. And then, um, you know, Ronnie Coulson, a.k.a. Flipper. You know, they were, like, both in the same class in high school that I worked at. Wow. You know what I mean? And so, like, we honored um, DJ. Um, so at our tie ceremony, we give role model awards to people in the community that these guys can look up to. You yeah. know what I mean? So we bring in, you know, um, educators, pastors, musicians, artists, like the whole nine, our colonels in the military, um, just as role models, right? So DJ was one of those guys this year, you know, one year. So it's like, yeah, DJ's there. And then literally the next Grammy, he's on stage for um, R&B album of the year with her, right? Nice. So they can see that. They was like, yeah. yeah, we making music too. I'm like, it's not that easy, right? <laughs> like, like you like yeah you can touch people and that's what i want yeah. you to do i want you to see touch and see people that have done it that are like you right yeah Absolutely. but also it's not that easy right yeah but, so. and, and there's career paths for that as oh, well yeah. you know uh, it's different sound it's recording different. like my son yeah. he's in um sound recording and music tech mm-hmm. um program community yeah. and just building really we just like look do that do your two years and he's transferring, hopefully, mm-hmm. into NYU, um, mm-hmm. Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. Awesome. So it's just like, get the prereqs out the way yeah. so we yeah. don't got to pay or got to figure exactly. that out. You like, know what I mean? Do college smart, right? Yeah, Instead do of paying it smart. all that NYU money for four years, right? Exactly. It's just crazy. You know, it's, it's like, still, figure still that out. Because he ain't had a great grade to get that, <laughs> that free NYU experience. That, that so that's how yeah. I was like, And Whoa. the free NYU experience is rare, too. Super very, rare. Yeah, so. Yeah. But it's like, you have you have that, right? Those you're trying to keep them on a plan. But then, like, again, I go back to DJ. Like, he was getting placements at 16 while he was in high school, right? Yeah. So it was it was going to happen. He just needed to free up enough time. So he just had to graduate and get to work. You know exactly. what I mean? But And, it's, and he has and an incredible amount of talent. And 10,000 hours because I'm sure. Because yeah. yep. every time, and it's like, I well, because being like outliers and like what you mm-hmm. are, it's almost like you were uniquely raised to be able to mm-hmm. see what mentorship is about exactly. and what a community is about. Um, I was reading the book, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Outliers yeah, and it's like, hours. yeah, from looking at 10,000 hours or even just people who live longer with no other help benefits other than mm-hmm. a really strong community around them. Yeah. Where community really can help you stay strong, healthy, and everything else. And you've like built a community around mm-hmm. it. But yeah, he probably just had his 10,000 hours so much earlier. Every time yeah. I see a successful actor who's young mm-hmm. i always look and they started like as a child model yeah. at three mm-hmm. or at 11 and you know you just start early. early exactly yep. you get that ten thousand hours. it's funny you talk about the ten thousand hours in kind of like the unique uh setting that i was raised in um for a time i thought that was almost like a deficit 
Because really? well, I'm I'm working with a lot of young men. Like I'll never forget, I was working in um, a school in Lang City. This was a while back, and we were in the middle of a conference, and we were coming out. So I'm talking to the young men I have with me, and he was like, "But you're not real, Edmonds." I'm like, "What do you mean?" Like he's like, "But you're not real." He's like, "We don't see men like you. We oh, don't see wow. those that are going to college come back and that are working. Like it's not real." Wow. The reality, you know, he's like, I was like, so I'm like a unicorn? He was like, yeah, basically. Wow. So it kind of like threw me at that point was like, well, am I even qualified to do this work? And for some kids, they, they need to identify in that way. But I always, as I grew in this and I learned, I was like, yeah, I'm uniquely qualified because I've Absolutely. been there, yeah, done that. Lived the experience. And I've lived it. And I, and I, and I know what it is. Yeah. Like, and, I and know you what know, it is. Also, it's sometimes like we could talk, people can talk to their blue in the face about the strength of having a good father at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like you need to see it in action. You need mm-hmm. to see someone who is the result of having a strong, mm-hmm. amazing father. And then you're like, wow, this person is like a unicorn. <laughs> And if I I could replicate that, yeah. but I could I could use that as a blueprint, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that's what we're doing with Friday Saturday, man. We're building like an army, right? Army of dopeness. Yeah. You know, these young men that like we're gonna, gonna persevere, they're gonna press, and that are gonna come back and give to the next generation. Absolutely. So that's where we are now, which is really dope. Actually, you, you know, they're not on camera or, you know, you can't see them, but yeah, I have two young here. I have two young men with me that were part of that first seven. Yeah. So, you know, so one, Kevin is a college graduate. He recently graduated from Rowan University last May. And then we have uh, Dante, who is I a know, senior. I saw I got some good people who teach at Rowan. Yeah. Uh, okay. They so have then, a really good music program. Yeah, they have a pretty they dope did. music yeah. program there. So we have, and then Dante, he's a senior right now, electrical engineering major at University of Pennsylvania. Nice. Um, so they both were football players. You know what I mean? So, like, we were meeting earlier tonight talking about kind of how they're going to come back mm-hmm. and give to that next group of young guys, Absolutely. right? Because I'm I'm getting older every year. Like, you know, <laughs> less hair now. You know, that yeah. was in 2020. <laughs> I took the top off the Maybach <laughs> for 2020. Hey, listen. Because it was thinning. So I was like, I ain't going to let me look foolish. You know what I mean? People hey. talking about me. So I took that joint off. Just made the hairline disappear totally, right? And then um, I got more grades coming in. So it's going to be a point where Mr. Edmonds is too old, right? I'm yeah. I'm not just going to be like an OG. I'm going to be an elder. Yeah. Right? So people won't necessarily see you as relatable or, or you're too, they'll think you're too far from their culture exactly. where they stand right now. So it make, it comes like when I started, I was 27 mm. when I started in the school. Actually, I was younger when I started in the elementary and middle school. So it was different. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm getting to that age now where I'll be – you know, further away from it, but I have the experience and expertise of all these years of working in the sector. So I can continue to build an organization now mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, sustainable so and thriving. Let me, let, me, let me transition a little bit to this. So being the fact that we are disruptors in the culture, one mm-hmm. of the things that we always like to do in challenges see, like, how do you, how do you define that? How do you, how do you define yourself making a disruption in the culture that you're affecting right now? Okay, so one of my ultimate goals is, a, is like, would be a reach for, like, um, anyone that understands education, um, there's a common phrase that's used, and there's been different names given to it, but you understand the achievement gap, right? Yes. So um, in the schools where we operate, um, every public school in that area pretty much has a double-digit achievement gap. Yeah. When it comes to those big indicators, whether it's um, high school assessments, SATs, I mean, young men of color have a double-digit deficit behind, you know, their counterparts. So my disruption, my disruptor, like, what I'm doing is, like, nah, that won't exist. Like, we're Mm going to make sure that that access gap or what do they call the opportunity gap, they've given a lot of names other than achievement gap to put a different spin on it. But um, we're going to eliminate that. 
right? Not just for the young men I work with, but for that whole region. Yeah. Right. Because these young men that we're given skills are hopefully going to go back into the high schools that they're in and affect those environments. And we're still, you know, growing that kind of mass so that we can have that kind of impact, yeah. that critical mass to have that impact. But that's disruption. Number one, like things like the achievement gap. Don't Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think it has to come from the community. Always. Right? Always. I mean, schools are too big and too slow to make change. And a lot of them are even unequipped to make the change. Right, they don't have the people in the places with the expertise and skills, the people that look like our young men, um, you know, to to get these things done. That is true. So, also, we can't expect other people to give our children what we're supposed to give them. Mm-hmm. Right, they're not supposed to raise our children or anything. Like, they, it needs to come from the village, it needs to come from the community. So, it might not be the same village I have, but we're creating a different one, right? Yeah. And we're going to wrap our arms around these kids. So, we're going to disrupt those communities to where, like, we got this. We got yeah. us. Yeah. Right. They're going to come to your schools and do what they need to do, but we got us. Yeah. Don't worry about you having to feel guilty because you're not doing it. We got it. Absolutely. I've always been that way. I don't I don't want to wait for somebody else to teach my guys, my kids. I got them. Exactly. I got them. Right. And that's so we disrupt in that way. And um, and the dopeness is that when they come back and it's like, you know, their own homes running businesses yeah. and they could call shots. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They have agency. They have a voice to speak up for themselves at an early age. OK. You know what I mean? Um. That's that's the disruptive. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's more than what we kind of <laughs> expected and thought. So, even with that, where can we um sort of the people who are listening? Where can yeah. they find out more? Where can they look for you? Where, where can they? Find yeah. Where you can you donate? Yeah, I got you. So it's amazing program. You that's gotta, always you know, you big. Listen, that's always a plug for a nonprofit, right? But um, we're everywhere. So um, you can find us at FridayIsTiday dot com. That's our website. Um, websites of Friday is Friday Thai is Thai Day T I E Day at dot com and that's really just kind of like a brochure right like websites yeah. for most people are kind of like not where you see the action because yeah. we we operate in a new media world with young people you'll find us on all social media so we're on Instagram Friday is Thai Day Facebook Friday is Thai Day that's where your mamas and your aunties like to go on Facebook <laughs> right we're on Twitter we even on Snapchat I don't know how to snap or chat but <laughs> We on there, right? So we're on all those things. We about to get a TikTok, and I'm gonna be TikTok. dancing on that joint. I'll be messing with y'all. We gonna be TikTok. Uh. <laughs> but uh, I like to mess with the kids. Are you interested? I got your Snapbook. Nah, I'm. Uh, I know. I'll get the fa- I'm yeah. on the Facebook. I'm on Facebook. the face face champ. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Instagram. So as far as in other organizations that may want to partner with you, are there meaningful ways that you are looking, like that you are like already seeking that, like in your wish list, where you're like, boy, it would be great to partner with this type right, of organization. So like a that, wish that'd be amazing. So, right, so we've got this great group of young men that are coming out with their skill set who's going to be kind of like that next generation of partners. But I know one of the things that I've seen, we would love a mental health partner, right? Wow. It's very, um, very, very important. And a mental health partner that has men of color. Yes. Right? Yes. Hopefully young enough men of color to come and so and be that 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 resource yeah. um, for our young men. I see it more and more each year. Um, and, and uh, like, you know, we experience trauma like yes. everyone else. Um, some some deeper than others. You know what I mean? Um, loss of loved ones, um, trauma from different experiences, trauma from what it's like to, to be an other in communities, yes. right? Yes. So whether it's um, active, 
acts of racism or even perceived racism, yeah. it still impacts us like trauma, or, right? Yeah, small microaggressions. Microaggressions. Or, and yeah. Like I tell people all the time, I have this thing when I walk into stores, I'm always wary of my hands. Of where are my hands? If I'm holding merchandise, yeah. I can't put my hands in my pocket. No. Little things like that where you're just like, I'm perceived to be a thief. My daughter had that experience for the first time last year. Wow. She was at the house. Her and my wife were like, you know, doing their prepping and hair. She, she realized she was short some products yeah. for her hair. Right. So she throws on a hoodie, sweats. They run out to the store. And my daughter was just like, she was followed in every aisle she was in. And That's she was just like really shocked by that. And it like really, and then it, then it made her angry because yeah. she had never experienced that. Yeah. But I'm like, it happens. Yeah. It definitely happens. Yeah. Yes. It's like all those th ways that we are, um, we're, like we're always worried about the white gaze because it can, yeah. it can really endanger our freedom. Yeah, you know, uh, or how we proceed, or just you know, a lot of the young men, you know, a lot of the young men that I work with is kind of like I'm more than just an athlete too. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not just your buck. Right, yeah. I have a value outside of what I can do with the basketball or football. Yeah, and I have a voice, and I want to have agency outside of that as well. So how do we empower them to have yeah. that voice? And like you know? I, I live a probably nine times out of ten, most people we see not even nine times, ninety nine times out of a hundred, a person lives a life that's so far from who they are in your imagination. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sad because our boys are always seen as the same. Or you want to be a rapper, huh? And you're yeah. like, what? Like yeah. you know, so yeah, don't even know the whole story at all. Exactly. And it's like, well, maybe I want to be a rapper too, and mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. it's it's kind of like that thing that we are, like you said, othered. <laughs> And yeah. the pattern matching that people just put on, like, oh, I've seen your type before. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we have those guys in our group that aren't athletes that are, like, far from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, like, just giving them their voice and their agency to be whoever they want to be and yes. express that in its fullness without fear of repercussion. Right? Carefree black boys. Yeah, right. And it's just to be able to do that in the world, like, is, uh, is huge for us. So. And then there's just then there's just regular life stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a teenager and I'm struggling with this, um, relationships, you know, parents. So it's just all the other stuff that we got to deal with, right? So I really, I really would love to have um, a partner. I really would love to have a like. So we have like a group of adult men that work with us that serve as you know mentors. So there's yeah. like a group of about five or six committed men. Yeah. And then we have our older guys that are coming back and doing their part. Um, I would love for one of those men in the near future to be a mental health professional. That'd be awesome, amazing. And then, like you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars would be like the next big ask, right? <laughs> but, but we for get sure. there. We, we we build something for that, so we'll we'll get there. Sure. So yeah. I know for now, um, I know we do gotta wrap up and get out of here because we we get a little overtime. But we, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Honestly, there's so many I think avenues that we still haven't even explored yeah. when it comes to why, for what reasons, and how Friday's how they can really implement and affect more than just your community, but, mm -hmm. you know, be transferred to different locations and affect their community as well. Yeah, 2020 is a year of expansion, right? So we're looking to grow, work into other schools. Prim we are primarily a high school program as it exists now. Okay. Um, this year we are st stepping out. We have some middle schools in the queue to step okay. into middle schools. So, um, you know, we, this is a year of expansion for us. We're looking for schools that already have some resources in place, yep. right, so that we can come in and bring what we've learned, our expertise, to to kind of shape, you know, something new there in that building. So um, it is a year of expansion for us, and um, we're looking for schools and people that are not afraid to be disruptive. So please, if you have information, you want to help out, find out, you can get more information or anything, 
always contact Friday. Fridayistighty.com. Fridayistighty.com. Twitter, Snapchat, Tiki Tok, whatever you can get us <laughs> on. Make sure you reach out. But we just thank you. Just find the logo. Yeah, Friday's Tighty's Coming on the podcast. You're our first guest. I mean, it's, it's always good to be first. Um, you are our first guest. We like that. Right? This is a yeah, really, really important organization. Yeah, so. And the important work. It's hugely important work. Yes, it is. And it's like we're we're just scratching at what we're going to be. I'm, so I'm really happy because I'm a I'm a it's, I, I, I will say this before like I'm a boy mom because mm-hmm. it's like I have brothers growing up. I have my son, all his friends. So I'm, I am always worried about you know mm-hmm. the state of our young men and how more how the world treats them mm-hmm. because everybody's figuring it out. We're all yeah. trying to find our way. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're Asian, doesn't matter. We're all trying to figure it out, especially at a young age. Yeah. So as a mother, you're like, how the world treats them, but they're trying to even figure out how they fit into that, right? You know, and it's, it's 100%. It's, it, that's a crazy place for all adolescents, but especially for young men of color. Yeah. Right? I told my son all the time, I said, when he was 17, I said, you know, 17 is hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. Or he'll say, I feel this way. And I would say, we all do. Like, you know, you might think you, you invented this feeling, yeah, but you didn't. Ain't nothing new and we're all insecure, and it's, yeah. all, it's always yeah. hard for all of us, and it's going to be hard for a while. And it's, it's confusing, you yeah. know. So this is really highly important work exactly. that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Right, it's, a, it's a labor of love. <laughs> it definitely is a labor of love. So with that, we are signing out. Um, look out for us on our next episode of the Start Racing the Culture. Adios, y'all.